Abby, you got anything to say? Really? Tell me. Tell the people out there. Tell the people out there. Really? Sing, sing for us. Fascinating. Hmm, fascinating. That's beautiful. It's Saturday night, and while all the cool kids are outside partying. <laughs> Us two cool kids are in here partying <laughs> with after, our dog. <laughs> and afterwards, we're going to bed. <laughs> yeah, because we're that old. We are that old. So how was your day? So boring. Me too. I, was, cut, I mean, it was good, though. I cut stuffs all day. Oh, did you? Yeah. I did book stuff all day. Yeah. So what's your life been like? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Um, so you should definitely check it out. Check out our front window at the library that I work in. I'm going to post a picture on our social media accounts because this dude, shout out to him completely, totally. He's an awesome guy. Uh, his name is Tyler, but he's known as the Post-it Picasso. And our front window right now, because we have huge front windows at the library, but he takes post-it notes and makes, like, murals and stuff with them. So, this time around, it's Mickey's Christmas Carol. Cool. Yeah, well, it's awesome. It's awesome. When I was there, he was working on Pluto. So, he had finished Mickey and Minnie and Goofy. And he had to finish Pluto and Donald. But it's awesome. It looks really cool. Yeah, it takes forever. Forever Well, because we have our windows, I mean, they're yeah, They're huge. They're huge. So, I'll post a picture. I, I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I meant that in a good way. Yeah, it's awesome. A good he does, way. He does a really good job. So, so, that's... I've been sitting, like, inside at the front desk today watching him as he worked. <laughs> Props to him. He's awesome. Check him out. Post it, Picasso. Woo! I think he's on Instagram and all that good stuff. He is. He is. He is. Uh, so, tonight we're mourning the loss of one of our members. Yeah. <laughs> he's fine. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> He's totally fine. He's just no longer recording with us, at least yeah. for the time being. So there is no more Tyrell he, uh, for now. He's got a lot of life stuff he's got to take care of. Yeah. Good so, life stuff. Good life stuff. Good life stuff. Good life stuff. So, but Pretty yeah, he's doing some stuff and uh, we understand, but we are not going to just um, stop recording. We're going to oh, no. soldier on and keep on going and... Hopefully you enjoy it just as much as you normally have. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that we'll see. Yeah. So since it's just the two of us, we kind of were toying around with some ideas of what we wanted to do Pogging this time around. around. around with ideas. Yeah. And it's almost... Turkey Day. For us Americans, it's almost Turkey Day. So it's almost yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And even, yeah. If, uh, even if you're not from... The good old USA, and you're listening from, you know, somewhere else around the world. Uh, hello and hi, firstly of all. <laughs> you can still enjoy this episode because... Um, Savannah, Randy, you suck. You're in Tokyo. Yeah, some of our friends are in Tokyo. So, <laughs> But when you listen to this one, you'll probably learn some stuff you didn't know, and part of it's 
kind of interesting and the rest of it's disturbing. I mean, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating and disturbing. Fascinating and disturbing. That's what we do best in life. Yeah. Fascinating and disturbing things. And, and it's really awesome now that there's two of us because really we're both like one side of the coin because Tessa's like all the cute and float. Well, never mind. I forgot she was the one that did. <laughs> She's done all the disturbing stuff up to this point. I just act like I'm cute and fluffy. Yeah. Well, it's just the two of us. You'll get to know us because really I'm probably the more, I'm not going to say the darker side. <laughs> We're two sides of the same coin, yeah. except for sometimes our sides look very similar. Yeah, like I'm more into the dark. And We're like one of those those just... trick coins that has the same head on both sides. Yeah. As in case of tonight's episode, I'm kind of talking about the weird and the disturbing and gross. And while she's talking about something, I have no idea what she's talking about. And I, I mean. kept it that way intentionally. Yeah. And I know nothing about yours yeah. because I want to be surprised. Yeah. So... Turkey Day is coming up. Also known as Thanksgiving for the people do- that don't know that it's called, that we call it Turkey Day. Yeah, well, one of the things that fascinates me the most is, because we throw around a term called gluttonous, you know, the, especially this time of year, we talk about overeating and, uh, you know, that stuffing ourselves and whatnot and all that stuff. But really, what is gluttony? <laughs> Are we starting off with a quiz? Uh, like, <laughs> Do you want me to answer? Yeah, yeah, what go I, ahead. Go ahead. Like overindulging on something that yeah. you don't need? Yeah. You just want it? Yeah. And like, that's basically what my topic is tonight. It's weird because this figure in history, his name was uh, Tarrer. Tar- Tar- I can't really pronounce his name. It's French. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to look it up. Yeah. That way we were right. T-A-R-R-A-R-E. Hold on, we're looking it up. Yes. What? Taha. 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 Yeah, sure. Yeah, Tara. And what got me thinking about the word gluttony was is because he literally embodied the word gluttony. He was the physical embodiment of gluttony. I've never heard of this guy. So. Yes. Uh, and, like, it's so weird because, like, this his story just kept popping up and popping up on everything. And we just, you know, it was like the other night when I was reading this story and I turned to you and went, hey, let's talk about Thanksgiving. <laughs> he did. But, like, we're not going to talk about Thanksgiving in the traditional sense. No, definitely not in the traditional sense. sense. But, to give a little bit of background, uh, I'm also a uh, Dante Elhira fanatic. Um, I love reading the Inferno and and stuff. But, as you may or may not know, Gluttony embodied the Third Circle of Hell. It was a very awesome video game. Yeah, if you didn't play that Dante's Inferno game, it really was good. It didn't get the attention that it needed. One of the seven deadly sins, Gluttony is defined as an overzealous or greedy appetite for something. Usually, it is associated with food and drink, but it can also refer to any type of consumption. You may also have heard the idiom, glutton for punishment. Well, that actually had a real exist, you know, real thing. Because most people would take on difficult tasks just to take on the difficult tasks. And so they were... So that was their overindulgence. That was their overindulgence. Uh, these overeaters and overindulgers are the ones Dante meets as he and Virgil descend into the third circle of hell. And I could give a brief description of what that was if you want want me to. Do it. If you want me to. Do it. Okay. The third circle of hell 
Um, if you didn't know anything about the Inferno, uh, like Dante lists them according to his import. Well, his kind of perception perception which ones were important, which ones not were important, given the views of his political views of the time. So as he enters the third circle of hell, he's uh, met with this awful sight. All around his feet, the gluttonous rhythm and mourn in a deep, stinking mire. If you don't know what mire is... It's like a swamp. Basically a pig pen. It's cold, hard, heavy rain falls eternally. Huge hailstones, sleet and snow constantly pelt the damned souls and create a filthy slush on the ground. This is where Cerberus is. Pleasant place to live. Yep. For eternity. This is where Cerberus lies. This is where Dante's version of Cerberus lies. And basically, Cerberus rips and rins and flails the souls around with him uh, with his teeth and his claws. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's not a place that I want a vacation. <laughs> no, 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 no. So that's uh, Dante's description of what gluttony is. And that's actually probably one of the best descriptions of gluttony. Uh, also, also, Dante really did like wealth and gold and riches and stuff like he was so against that but the figure i'm going to talk about tonight is tarar uh he was born in 1772 and died in 1798 now the thing about mr rare as i'm going to call him <laughs> mr rare mr rare <laughs> he well he was a french uh, showman and a soldier but the thing about him was is that he at a very early young age, and when he was 17 years old, his parents kicked him out of the house because he just simply could not be satisfied. His hunger could not be satisfied. It was said that he could eat 12 apples at one time. He, he could eat vast amounts of meat, and it was because of this that his parents turned him out because they just couldn't simply afford to... There's that old saying uh, that eat him out of house and home. And this was literally one of those examples. The, this was literally one of those examples. While, when he got turned out, he, he became a member of a traveling thieve and prostitute ring. Oh. Uh, they were a bunch of traveling charlatans. And if you don't know what a charlatan was, they were swindlers or uh, wh- what the old French word was, mountbanks. Basically, it was just, they were shysters. They were there to take your money. Where he was one of the main attractions, he would eat corks, stones, whole baskets of apples... And even live animals. Whole. Holy moly. Yeah. For some odd reason, he got the attention of the French army. It was during the First War of the Coalition. He was just a normal private. He would have to be sati- try to be satisfied with four times the amount of rations what other soldiers would need to survive. Later on, he would still be hungry and he turned to eating uh, rubbish. To the trash pile. So he turned to rummaging through the trash pile. So he was never full. He was never full. And he, he would turn to the gutters to eat the trash and stuff to try to satisfy his hunger. Eventually he was hospitalized due to extreme exhaustion where the doctors were completely fascinated with him. They didn't know what was wrong with him. They never had had dealt with anything like this before. And so he went under a series of experiments to test his capacity, where he would eat full meals, meals that were intended for 15 people in one setting. And he still was never full. He still was never full. He would eat live cats. Holy moly. Snakes, lizards, puppies, and even swallow live eels while they were alive, whole, without chewing. Despite all this... 
he stayed normal size and never showed any signs of mental illness. Oh my God. Because what they were testing was if he really was insane or if this, you know, if this was something that he had picked up. Or if he was actually like really hungry, truly hungry. he was really hungry or tr- truly, you know, in, in trouble. And despite all this, the general, Alexandra B- Bukranis, history told by idiots, not professors, <laughs> decided sometimes to... Sometimes we can't say words, guys. <laughs> sometimes we can't say words. Uh, decided that he had some use. They decided to use him as a spy. <laughs> okay. Not exactly sure what How being think, able to eat a bunch uh, of stuff well, has to do with that, but well, okay. Well, uh, it was a very unusual manner. They tested out that if they would write a message and put it in a kind of like a safe container, he would eat it. Oh, he would swallow it. He would swallow it and then later defecate it out. Oh. And they actually tested this, and it actually worked. And it worked. <laughs> so. Wow. With that in mind, they wrote some letters out. He swallows them. He goes beyond the German line. But what they didn't get count for was he didn't know how to speak German. Oh, that's a problem. It's a problem. He was <laughs> caught. <laughs> <laughs> they did not think this through. They did not think this through at all. Uh, he was caught and put under a form of mock execution. Now, are you aware of what a mock execution is? No, not really. Uh, mock execution is where they would simulate execution. Well, okay. Day that makes in, sense. day in, and day out, and it would it would be all the different forms, like they would blindfold him, put a gun up to his head. And then not kill him. And, and well, they would have blanks, or they would not have ammo in it at all, and they would pull the trigger, and he'd hear the click of the of the hammer. Um, they would simulate uh, putting a noose around his neck and pretending like they was going to kick out, kick the box out from underneath him. Uh, modern day example would be, I guess, water waterboarding and stuff, but without what they actually pouring the water on him. Uh, I got a list of here some of the things that he that he actually went through. He would be made forced to gra- dig his own grave and stand over top of his grave as they pushed him down in it, and you know, and stuff like that. It's it's more psychological torture than it is anything. And eventually, it broke him, and they felt sorry for him and just turned him loose. Yeah. When he got back to the front lines, the French army basically called him a fool and made fun of him. Well, it's not like he could really. S- spy on people that he couldn't understand the language of firstly of all and why is he the fool when it was them that sent him there in the first place this man that can't speak german yeah basically as his punishment he was sent to not really a punishment but actually sent him to an asylum where he would he went under treatment uh which involved large doses of laudum tobacco pills wine vinegar soft-boiled eggs to try to satisfy his hunger and try to figure out this once again, all of it would all of it failed. And then during his time in the asylum, he would sneak out and scavenge for offal. Do you know what offal is? Like garbage. O-F-F-A-L. Garbage, but it's like variety of meats or organ meats. Ew. That the butcher would just discard. Yeah. After he... Uh, so like... <laughs> All the gross parts that nobody wants no, to eat. Yeah, all the gross parts that, that nobody wants to eat. Uh, some cultures do consider it uh, taboo because of the nastiness and whatnot and all of it. 
But depending on the use, and this is what scholars that who study him do say, it may only refer to animal carcasses. Okay. So. I mean, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still though. Can you imagine being so hungry that you go to the butcher shop to look for the carcasses of the animals yeah, to eat? Well, it gets worse. It gets worse. While he was in the asylum, he would sneak out at night and drink the blood of other patients in the hospital and even corpses. He would try to consume corpses. And only <gasps> after being suspected of eating a newborn baby. Oh, my God. He was kicked out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Did they ever, did they confirm that they he did? They never confirmed nor denied the way the, the that he research ate. that he oh had. Oh my it. gosh. So he reappeared in Versailles about four years later. Versailles. Versailles. Sorry. See, we're from Kentucky. Yeah. And in Kentucky, there is a Versailles. we've got Versailles. <laughs> yeah. It's spelled the same it's way. It's spelled the same exact way. We got Versailles. That's Versailles. Uh, but he, but he uh, four years later, after being kicked out of the asylum, he uh, showed back up in Versailles with a severe case of tuberculosis and died shortly of exotic diarrhea, which accompanies... I don't know what that is. Well, it's, It doesn't sound pleasant. It's blood and pus in your stool. Oh, that's fantastic. Which occurs with severe cases of Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Yeah. That's and, bad news bears. And in, in extreme cases, E. coli. Ugh. Well, which would make sense. Yes. When you go around eating... Uh, you know, animal carcasses and corpses, it would make sense that you would get the E. coli. Yes, it would make very much sense that you would get the E. coli, especially back during that time. His appearance, now, is what's, is what, it's kind of like it ripped straight from like Stephen King's Fanner or H.P. Lovecraft or something like that. Despite his diet, he was of average height. So what I'm saying, probably about my, probably by height, probably about 5'10", something like that. At age 17, when he was kicked out of his parents' house, he was only 100 pounds. He was described as soft hair and a normally wide mouth. Such a wide mouth that his teeth were heavily stained and his lips were almost invisible. Okay, that's kind of so, scary. Yeah. Is there pic- is, are there pictures of him? Uh, no. Just like paintings and stuff. Yeah. When he hadn't eaten, his skin would, uh, would hang so loosely... That he could literally take his abdomen and stretch his skin around as a belt. And when he was full, he would swell to the size of a huge balloon. Oh my gosh. His cheeks were wrinkled and hung loosely and were stretched out so big he could hold 12 eggs or a dozen apples in his mouth at one time. His body was so hot to the touch that he sweated heavily and stank like corpses. What was wrong with this dude? I'm getting to that. He stank so greatly that people couldn't be within 20 paces of him. And the smell would only get worse the more he ate. His eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot. And a visible vapor would rise from his body. It's like you could see the waves from it. It was so potent. It was so potent that it was coming off of his body. Now here, if that wasn't disturbing enough, this is... It's pretty disturbing. (laughs) this This is the one that got me. Well, I'll, I'll get to it here when I talk about his uh, corpse and death. But some of the supposed causes, this is what, I, this is what I'm getting to. What the, modern, okay, good. This is what I want to know. Yes, what modern day science has tried to theorize is hyperthyroidism. Uh, okay. Which can cause excessive thyroid hormones. 
Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like, I know a lot of hyperthyroid people, including yeah. myself, yeah. and I never wanted to eat, you know, corpses. Well, it, you know, hyperthyroidism causes extreme appetite. Yeah, it ra- does. Rapid weight loss, or profuse sweating, or a strong heat intolerance. Okay. Right, that was one. One theory. One theory. And then the second one was a damaged amygdala. Ama- Spell it. A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. Amygdala. Amygdala. Which was the, uh, what they say, a small pecan-shaped thing in the middle of your brain, like in in, one, in your lobes. They theorized that it was damaged, and a damaged... Amygdala. Amygdala <laughs> can induce <laughs> polygia, excessive hunger, and large intakes of food by mouth. Mm-hmm. When he died... Polyphagia? Polyphagia, yes, polyphagia. I'm not even looking at your notes. Look at me knowing things. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's good to have a medical person <laughs> that she enjoys medical science. Look but, at me now, sister. Look at me now. Yeah, look at me now, sis. Are you proud of me now? Are you proud of me now? <laughs> but anyway, in his death, his corpse rotted so quickly because the res- surgeons refused to dissect it. They refused to be in the same room as him. But a Dr. M. Teaser of Versailles wanted to find out how different he really was. Like, he was the one that volunteered to step in the room and do the actual autopsy and stuff of him. But this is this is what stuff's made out of nightmares, okay? If this if what I've already mentioned wasn't bad enough... No, it's pretty disturbing the, so far, this, so I'm excited is, to hear about yeah, this. This, is, this, to me, is what was disturbing about the whole thing. His gullet, you know what a gullet is. Yeah. His esophagus was abnormally wide when his jaws were opened. They opened so wide that the surgeons could literally look down his throat and see his stomach. Are you kidding? No. He's like a snake that can unhinge its jaw to swallow its prey. Swallow its prey. Uh, To me, what it reminds me of, if you've ever watched Blade 2. I've not. I've never watched The vampires in Blade 2 literally could unhinge their jaws and open up. Or better yet, the Predator. <laughs> that reminds me because the predator opens up his mouth. So wow, use those as any holy any, moly. Use those as any reference. It reminds me of a snake. His body was filled with pus. His liver and gallbladder were abnormally large. His stomach was enormous, and it was covered all over in ulcers and filling most of his abdominal cavity. Because your stomach normally is what like the size of a fist. Because it's not very big. Yeah. Not as big as you think that it would be. It's not. So that's. Weird. That's what that is. That's yeah, weird. It's so weird. But it's fast to me it was fascinating. I uh, mean, like I want to see pictures of like a drawing of him even. Yeah. And actually what doing research about uh gluttony, the one picture that they did draw of him popped up. Oh wow. Yeah. He does look like a balloon. Yeah. He looks like he looks like Aunt Marge in Harry Potter. You know. Yeah, you know? He you does. know? He does. If you don't know, then I'm sorry. <laughs> if you don't know, then no. <laughs> if you don't know, then you should go learn. Yeah. I mean, honestly, terrifying. Everything that you see, he literally is the embodiment of Dante's gluttony. Yeah, I've never, ever heard of anything like that in my life. That's terrifying, really. I mean, I want to know what was wrong with the guy. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. You've done heard my voice for 30 minutes. I got to organize my life so hold on a second insert elevator music here dun, dun, 
Okay, I'm gonna tell you about the times when Thanksgiving was weird. <laughs> like Not a, as weird as what you just told us about. Like and a, for once, you're like the really kind of dark person, and I'm sort of more light and fluffy this time around. Oh, just this once, just guys. This once. Just this once. Just this once. Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. <laughs> so for uh, for us Americans and whoever you are celebrating all around the world, Thanksgiving is this great holiday where we get to recognize all of the things that we're thankful for and the people we're thankful for and we get to eat really good food i don't think this could be as weird as being thanksgiving with your family i'm sorry but well yeah <laughs> it's true though it's true but we get to eat lots of really good food i'm super excited because i've been on a diet so i can't wait to um, break over and eat what i want She's for a day really amazing with this i'm day. doing really good so claps for me claps for me but uh I started doing some research because I wanted to find something really cool to talk about. And I ran across this old tradition that I have never heard of before called Ragamuffin Day. Ring any bells to you? No. No No bells rung? No bells rung. No bells. Huh. Okay. So Thanksgiving was actually started. Does that have something to do with your... What? With your research? Like bells being rung? No. Oh... I was just asking if you were familiar with it. Jeez, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get with the program. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln established Thanksgiving as a national holiday for us in 1863. And all of a sudden, the kids found this random, well, not really random, but this rare weekend when they were off from school and they really kind of didn't have anything better to do. And so they decided to make it all about fun and games and whatnot. Uh, and get up to some, you know, mischief, antics. as kids do. As kids do. Some antics. And from that, Ragamuffin Day was born. Thanksgiving in America used to look a lot like Halloween, especially in big cities like New York. This, a lot of things that I'm going to tell you uh, took place in New York City. Groups of school-aged children all throughout the cities would participate in Ragamuffin Day, but it was really popular among Irish immigrants that lived in New York City. Because we knew how to party. Right. And so what they would do is they would dress in these crazy costumes and they would go door to door begging for treats. And it sounds a whole lot like Halloween, but it wasn't really Halloween. I mean, you know, it was Thanksgiving, but we really didn't celebrate Halloween then like we do now. There wasn't the going door to door and asking for candy, the trick or treat sort of thing. So what they would do is they would dress. Some of them would dress like it was popular to dress in your poorest looking clothes. So they were because Charlie Chaplin was really popular Mm -hmm. at this time. And so they would dress like hobos or, you know, like these poor little ragamuffins, which is how it got its name. So, with Halloween nowadays, you go around, and if you go to the good houses, they give you candy. You have some people that give out, you know, the fruit and stuff, and that's not nearly as fun as getting candy. But, on Ragamuffin Day, when you would go around and knock on doors and ask for pretty much food, you would beg, and they would give you candy sometimes, sometimes sweets, but usually everything was fair game. 
ragamuffin children would collect fruit and baked goods and vegetables, sometimes even pennies and trinkets. Yeah, and this, because at first it wasn't like a thing that people prepared for, you know. Yeah. So in the 1870s is when this tradition really was like in its full swing. Children started expanding their costumes, and now they would paint their faces, and they started wearing masks, penny masks, they were called. People, young and old, would dress up in these staged, you know, little costume extravaganzas throughout the streets. Um, and it wasn't just in New York. Not, it was in Los Angeles. It was in Chicago, places all around the country. And newspapers would run all of these stories of folks wearing these elaborate masks and costumes. A lot of the masks at the time came from Germany. But then eventually um, the U.S. got in on the attention itself. I mean, obviously, since it was pretty much our holiday. I guess you could call it a holiday. Yeah, it's kind of strange, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. Banks are closed. I call it holiday. Well, yeah, that's that's true. So many people participated in in Ragamuffin Day that it was the busiest, this is a quote, it was the busiest time of year for the manufacturers of and dealers in masks and false faces. Hmm. Popular get-ups at the time included heads of parrots and birds and animals. There were face coverings of different colors, masks of prominent men and... The foremost political leaders, there would be masks made of their faces, um, large-sized false hands, feet, noses, ears, etc., which is kind of disturbing when you think about it, like this random kid dressed like a hobo walking down your street with unusually large hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's terrifying. Absolutely. And if you look at pictures, Halloween costumes back in the day were creepy, but Ragamuffin Day costumes... Or even creepier, yeah, that's if I'm, that's possible. That's why I'm sitting here looking at a group of kids, and they're rough looking. I mean, there were unfortunate side effects of Ragamuffin Day, too, because some some kids would wear masks that kind of poked fun at other cultures and stuff like that, like greatly exaggerated facial features. And um, I think that there, there was a movie, and I can't remember if it was... I don't think it was Miracle on 34th Street. I don't think it was, but it could have been that talked about Ragamuffin Day, and there was, like, a kid wearing a, a mask of a person from China, a Chinaman, yeah. and it was, like, greatly exaggerated facial features. So yeah. that's not cool. It's not cool to make fun of other people's cultures, guys. But this was the 1800s, and so it was a different time. Yeah. Most people made their own false faces. Like, Well, not my, I won't say most, but a lot of people made their own false faces from papier-mâché, that sort of thing. And a lot of the times... Um, boys would dress up like in their mother's clothes and wear their high heels and instead of going in true ragamuffin style it was sort of like this event that you could dress up kind of however you wanted to sometimes they would dress up like animals and sailors and businessmen and then this article says several memoirs of the time note that some some young boys chose to wear their mother's dresses stockings and heels year after year even rouging their cheeks Maybe they were experimenting with more than just mm -hmm. looking for snacks, you know. That's so, right, right. The way that this worked, you would put on your little costume and you would take an adult with you and you would 
go throughout the city and you would knock on the door and you would say anything for Thanksgiving instead of trick-or-treat because this was not (laughs) trick-or-treat. You would say anything for Thanksgiving and the usual, usual words, (laughs) the usual response would be like, they'd give you a penny or an apple, piece of candy, whatever, whatever they had. This tradition continued to grow, which really is what blows my mind that I've never heard of it before. This article, which is called When Thanksgiving Was Weird, from, this is from NPR, When Thanksgiving Was Weird. It's true. <laughs> you should look at these pictures. I'll post yeah. these pictures yeah, later. I'll post some of these pictures. It says, everyone was generous, but some masqueraders rode horses, others straddled bicycles, So you don't see any horses coming down the street now with trick-or-treat. So I just like to imagine that in my head. But they would dress up, and they would go door-to-door, and they would ask anything for Thanksgiving. Eventually, this sort of um, led to where the ragamuffins were literally parading through the streets because people liked to come out and, and watch this. You know, the kids all dressed up in their costumes, and sometimes the adults dressed up in their costumes. And so... People would come out into the street and these kids would literally, you know, put on little parades while they went up and down the neighborhoods looking for handouts. This didn't become a problem until the ragamuffin kids realized that if they really wanted to get the good stuff, they needed to go to the rich neighborhoods Mm. in order to do so, right? They would visit the homes of the city's well-to-do citizens And the sophisticated families did not do so well with this, you know, all of a sudden this band of children showing up on their front steps asking for, poor children usually, showing up on their front steps and asking for handouts, you know, little, they would say little, call them little beggars, begging for food. Which I'd say most of them was in the middle of their, they interrupt their Thanksgiving dinners and So these wealthy citizens... These wealthy citizens decided to sort of do like a, a mockery of ragamuffin parades. And they would they would dress up and uh, parade around the city while at the same time calling for an end to ragamuffin day and this endless parade of children. Wow. And eventually the New York Times got in on this. And they, would, they started running articles about, like this one says... Ragamuffin Day in New York. The little children of the metropolis will be allowed to run riot Thanksgiving Day. I mean, obviously you can tell by the tone of that that it's not a promising article for enjoyers of Ragamuffin Day. But this started in the 30s. This was the 1930s when they really started going to war on Ragamuffin Day and calling for an end to it, you know, for once and for all. The articles said that there were safety concerns And the more well-known fact that the children were just annoying, which is really why they wanted to get rid of them, because it was annoying. Yeah. And now, and, and then at this point, even though so many people had gotten into the idea of stepping away from Ragamuffin Day, when children would show up on their doorsteps, they would just kind of slam doors in their faces and say no. But the tradition persisted. It continued. And then something happened that nobody really expected to happen. And all of a sudden, begging for food was not funny anymore. Like before, it was kind of a joke. When the Great Depression hit, it was not a joke anymore. It wasn't a joke. It was reality. Yeah. Because people actually needed food. And nobody could spare food to this 
little band of children, and even if they could, they didn't want to. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But there were not many treats to go around. And so even some children's groups then began to favor what came from Ragamuffin Day parades, which ended up being Thanksgiving Day parades. They were a direct result of Ragamuffin Day parades. So we have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That came pretty much as an answer to Ragamuffin Day. That's why we have it. Well, my mind is officially blown right. out of the back of my head. This one group of kids that did their own little parade, it was the Madison Square Boys Club, and they marched with signs that read, American Boys Don't Beg. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, like, you can see that there's tension going on. Yeah. But despite the downturn in popularity, Ragamuffin Day still went on, and children still loved dressing costumes, and the businesses loved to sell the costumes and the penny masks and everything. And so it was still revenue for them. So people, some people wanted the Ragamuffin Day tradition to continue. And so in the 1940s, the idea of dressing up and going around asking for treats was resurrected, but it was incorporated into another holiday known as Halloween. Hmm. And that's when we really started doing trick-or-treating. So this was a new version of Ragamuffin Day, a much cooler, spookier version of Ragamuffin Day, I guess. Even still, um, now, you know, kids go around and beg for candy on Halloween, but even still, in some of the bigger cities, especially in New York, and especially in descendants of those Irish ancestors, the Irish families, Ragamuffin Day is still celebrated. This article is called, For Irish Americans, Thanksgiving Used to be Halloween, and it comes from irishcentral.com. And this lady's mother is talking about how they used to go begging door-to-door and it wasn't even Halloween. She grew up in Brooklyn. I actually love this article. Mm -hmm. There's a picture of the Madison Square Boys Club observes Thanksgiving. American boys don't beg. Yeah. Um, So it says, On Thanksgiving we dressed as ragamuffins, three Irish-American kids, and went from backyard to backyard, pub to pub, looking for handouts, but with a difference. We played... Irish traditional music on the fiddle and the flute and sang and danced to it. We sometimes earned $45 for the day. The best money was made playing the stack of barley and singing A Nation Once Again. I love that. There was there was obviously downsides to this tradition too. This lady also notes that they would light these huge bonfires which led to its fair share of tragedies and accidents. Like in 1913, a six-year-old boy from the Bronx Um, was badly burned as he danced around a bonfire. And then eventually, as packs of ragamuffins crossed in each other's territories, especially in like 1906, 1907, there was gunfire and gang fights and all kinds of that bad, bad stuff. Oh, I was talking about the little girl that dressed in the, quote, yellow Chinaman mask. That would be A Tree Grows in in Brooklyn. A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. But it is mentioned too in A Miracle on 34th Street. Eventually, because of all these things happening, so there was the, like the incident with the bonfire, the gang fights, and everything. The police and school officials really started to crack down on ragamuffins and and, uh, begging and stuff like that. And then Halloween came along, and so it sort of just, the (laughs) tradition just died out. Yeah. But this notes that tradition has not completely vanished. Every October, community organizers in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, host a ragamuffin parade. 
But even still, I had never heard of that before. I never? It's, yeah. I love learning new things about yeah. uh, American history that oh, I didn't yeah, know. something that's important. I mean, yeah. like, that is important. I've never heard of that before. Like, and, it was the, it was, it was Halloween until Halloween, you know. Yeah, become. As we know it now, became a thing. Well, I think if I recall an earlier episode of American Pickers. Went to an old lady's house and she had she had costumes. And I think it was ragamuffin costumes. I think that's where I first heard the term. Not too sure, but I know I heard it, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Well, I had heard the term too, yeah. but I mean not in context with this. Yeah, not context with this, yeah. But uh, uh, no, no, that's interesting. And well, I mean, yeah, that's where our traditional Halloween come from. Yeah, I mean, it really is. That's exactly where it came from. And it's why we have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is like the biggest parade ever. And did you know that when they started doing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, those huge balloons that they carry like now, Mm -hmm. they carried big balloons back then too. But they would, um, I don't know if like safety measures just weren't the same or if they didn't have enough people. I don't know exactly how. But they would always let them go. A bunch of them go every year. Yeah. And so they would offer rewards, put it in the paper, that if a Macy's balloon landed like in your yard, you could collect it and bring it back for a reward of like $100. Jeez. <laughs> Which was a lot back then. Yeah. But that's why that started, because people were angry at Ragamuffin Day. But they enjoyed seeing the kids... You know, do their do their little parades, yeah. and so they just started a different kind of parade, and then the costume companies and stuff were like, "Well, we're not selling any, you know, as many Ragamuffin Day th- costumes. Let's make Halloween." So yeah. now you know. So we're excited about what the future is going to bring us here at History Told by Idiots. Obviously, we miss Tyrell, but believe it or not, we are friends outside of the show, so we do still see him and talk to him every he, day. He was not some slacker, we, well, some ragamuffin we picked up by the Yeah, street. he was not just a ragamuffin yeah. begging for uh, begging for treats, even mm-hmm. though I, I do feed him a lot. We miss Tyrell, but we are excited for what the future holds for this show. So uh, that includes... A lot of really good things coming to Patreon because now I actually have a computer charger that works. Yeah. So I can edit things and put them up and it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And we're going to start trying to have regular um, guests come on the show. You've met our friend Trey. I think that he's going to come on maybe our next episode. I don't know. We're just, we're excited to see what happens in the next few weeks of course it's not that long until it'll be our season finale but we've got you know long enough to to get a head start on some things and we want to most definitely hear from you all we want to when season three are looming around the corner we would be interested in you all leading it like telling us us what you all want to hear we want to know what you want to know yeah uh strange and unusual i know when you're on uh instagram you see a lot of Topics that are just recycled. We're not about that. No. (laughs) Now, we want to know what you want to know. And we'll do our best to get it put out there. We'll do it. (laughs) We'll try our very best. So, the ways that you can get in contact with us in order to give us that sort of information, we are on all of those awesome social media things like the Facebook and the Twitter, though we don't do a whole lot with Twitter. Facebook so. was taken off a long time ago, Tess. It's just Facebook. 
It's the Facebook. No, it's not been the Facebook <laughs> since the early 2000s. Well, I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. What's the social network, Tesla? Jeez. Okay, so we're on Facebook. We're on yeah. Twitter. We're on Instagram. All of those are at History by Idiots. We also have a Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash History by Idiots. You can find us... Um, on our Buzzsprout account to listen to the show. We're on iTunes, Google Play, all of those good things, all of those podcasty places. And we're excited to be here. And thank you for being supportive of us and our little show because we sure do enjoy getting to talk to you guys about random stuff all the time. Absolutely. I've started working on a short story and I've been thinking about this all day and I've been thinking about putting, putting it up and what I've got on Patreon. And slowly introducing people to Patreon, on Patreon to it. Well, it's really good. So as as I as I keep working on stuff, bringing it up on Patreon. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. So I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Look for some really cool episodes coming up. I don't really want to tell you about things. Just know that one of them is going to take as much research as our Scotia episode. It's going to be just as heavy to talk about, and I think just as important to talk about for our community. So I'm not going to give any more spoilers away besides that, but I'm excited about it. It has been asked for. It has been asked for, so we are going to do it. Okay. Oh, and happy anniversary to Josh and I next Wednesday. This, well, this, this episode will probably be out, what, like... Monday. So it'll be our anniversary in a couple of days. You're the editor. So, well, that's true. So happy anniversary to us. How long have we been married? It'll be eight years. Yes. Okay. Cool, man. I had to count just to make sure I'm right. It's eight. So. 2011, right? Yep. With that being said, love history. Love you, libraries. And. That was where you at. Bark, bark, bark. (laughs) Love yourself. Yourself.